He is risen. He is risen indeed. Now what? Peter finds out. 33 AD, Jesus Christ rose from the grave. If my math is correct, that's 1,976 years ago. And at this time of day, Mary Magdalene would have encountered Christ. Peter and John would have had the foot race to the tomb and witnessed the empty tomb. Most likely by now, Jesus would have met with the disciples in the flesh, in the upper room, and revealed himself. The world has celebrated 1,976 Easter mornings. And I have celebrated 60. But is it enough to celebrate Easter? Is it enough to say, he is risen, he is risen indeed? This morning I want to reflect on Peter's journey and his experience with the risen Christ. Because any encounter with Jesus Christ is a profound encounter. And there's meaning, so much meaning to those encounters. I want to talk to you about Deja Vu 2.0. You know, when there's a new computer program, like Windows, operating system, I guess they would call it, uh, there for the longest of times anyways, they would still call it Windows, but then they just say what version it is. Windows 10, for instance. Today we're going to look at Deja Vu 2.0, which seems to be a bit redundant, but... Deja vu, of course, is those experiences that we have when we uh, feel like we've lived this before. We've experienced this before. 2.0, though, gives me the idea that, yeah, it's the same, only different. You'll see what I mean. As we read the account, one of the accounts of Jesus' encounter with his disciples in those 40 days after the resurrection. This first account is from John 21. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, said to Peter, it's the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed with the boat 
towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and, and dragged the net ashore. It was, it was full of large fish, 153 to be exact. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and he did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. This experience, no doubt, must have felt like deja vu. For at least Peter and Andrew and James and John. And I'm sure all of the disciples that were present had heard of a very similar instance involving Peter, James, John, and Andrew that began at the very calling of those disciples to follow Jesus three years previous. It, it was the same thing, only different. Deja vu, 2.0. This is how Luke records that first encounter. Luke 5. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little part from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people with the boat. Uh, people from the boat, I should say. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let the, down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them and and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that had been taken. That had been taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. So here we have Christ performing a miracle that is almost exactly the same as when Peter and some of the other disciples were called to abandon their lives, their boats, their nets, <laughs> the large catch of fish, everything, and follow him to be fishers of men. It was the same thing <laughs> in the second case, but only different. 
How so? You know, a lot has been made of the disciples being in Galilee instead of Jerusalem and fishing instead of doing something else that was the Lord's work. As if they were falling back into their old lives, as if they had forgotten, as if they had gotten out of step, that they were disappointed. But we have to be really careful here because Jesus was the one who told them to go to Galilee. In Mark, it's recorded. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Then again in Mark, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And so they are there in Galilee because they were supposed to be there. Their fishing at this point probably has more to do with wanting to do something while they were waiting the next appearance of Jesus Christ. And what do you do? You do what you do. You do what comes naturally. You do what you love. You get the boat and you go fishing. Because that's what they were. Fishermen. In the first instance, Peter and his brothers were fishing out of necessity, though. In this case, they're just biding time, waiting for the risen Lord. You see, their lives were no longer the same. The lure of the fishing life was no more. They had lived for three years with this incredible person, Jesus Christ. And even though they had just gone through a very difficult time seeing their Lord crucified, they had also witnessed him alive again. He had resurrected. And so the first instance, in the first instance, we see Peter and his friends leaving their nets because there's a promise of something. Now they're leaving their nets. Now they're, they're, they're going to have breakfast with the risen Lord. They've experienced three years of miracles where they themselves have actually performed miracles. They've seen wonderful things, but nothing tops the fact they had seen the risen Lord. They had seen the marks in his hands, the mark on his side. And so they went to meet with him and have breakfast. One could ask, why Jesus gave a repeat performance? Curious thing, isn't it? Why repeat something that had happened before? What is running through Jesus' mind? What is he 
doing here? No doubt that first experience was edged into their minds indelibly. <laughs> that first case where they threw the nets on the right side of the boat and just couldn't bring, I mean, the fish were just, they were breaking the nets after a whole night of zero. Why would Jesus give them deja vu? Why would there be a 2.0, though? What is the difference? Well, I see this as a gracious reminder. Jesus is so gracious. I see this as a gracious reminder, and, and I'm going to focus a bit on Peter here. To Peter, of that incredible day when he walked away from his livelihood and walked into a faith journey with Jesus Christ. The repeat, the repeat performance was, was the same, only it was different. It, it was different in that, uh, in the second instance, there was underwritten three years of experience with Jesus, let alone the encounter with the risen Christ, which changed everything for them. <coughs> Clearly, in that first case, Peter and his friends thought of the idea of fishing for people as more rewarding than what their life was. You know, our community right now is all a dither. I'm a dither about fishing season. Not the part they do in the rivers, but the fact that when I take my dog bow along the, the dock, I can't hardly get through because of all the traps. And even though I hate lobster, <laughs> I just think it's so cool. The community, after being dormant through the winter, all of a sudden the signs of life are just like overwhelmed. But you know what? Not every fishing experience is like setting day. <laughs> We've already read of two accounts where these fishermen, seasoned, skilled fishermen, spent two long nights with nothing to show for it. <laughs> so the fishing life, yes, it has its moments. But it has its trials. It has its difficulties. And it seems to me that this incredibly frustrating experience, laboring all night without catching fish, is being used by Christ in both instances as a lesson in what life without Christ would be like. Simon Answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught a thing. But, but because you say so, we'll let them down again. We'll let the nets down again. Same idea the second time. Fished all night. There's, there's no fish out here. Okay, well, we worked, we worked all night, but we'll, we'll throw the nets in. See, life without Christ is like nights spent laboring for nothing. 
American philosopher and writer Henry David Thoreau re rejected the materialism of his generation and decided to live a rustic, Spartan lifestyle on Walden Pond. And he wrote that the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. That you fish all night and the nets come up empty. He was suggesting, Thoreau is, that, that life lived for the wrong reason was a desperate life. And he even suggested that, the, and there's, there's sort of a spiritual connotation to what he says, that it stifles the opportunity for redemption if you just focus on what the world has to offer. And so he goes out to this pond and lives in nature, forsaking all that the world has to offer, and he finds truth. Think of this. If life without Christ is characterized as fishing all night without catching a thing, life with Christ is like the nets overflowing with fish. The nets are busting. Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life. And have it what? Sparingly? Mediocrely? Bland, dull Christian lives. Have it to the full! He came to give life to the full. He came to give fish that were bursting the nets. And so why would Jesus repeat this incredible miracle after the resurrection, it's a reminder to them that life without Christ is like empty nets labor laboriously struggling. Life with Christ is like nets full. Jesus hit the reset button. For Peter and the others, reminding them of the difference between life with and without Christ, their very lives before and after living with Christ. I believe there's another implication for Peter and his friends that was a reminder that without him, they could do nothing. How did those nets get filled? Because the guy who made the fish, the guy who inspired the putting together of rope to make nets, the guy who created the fishermen said, just put the net on the other side. You see, it is only with Christ that we can accomplish and do anything of any value to get any gratification, we need Christ. With him and by his enabling, miracles can happen. Without him, nothing can happen. So Jesus' Deja Vu 2.0 is the same thing, only different, because after journeying with Jesus three years, 
Peter and the others would have had so many more instances of the wonders of what it is to live with Christ. And they were convinced that nothing was impossible with Christ. But they were also keenly aware that without Christ, life was not really worth living. It was quiet desperation. Here's another thing that makes it 2.0, that makes that second encounter after encountering Jesus, the risen Lord, that makes it so special. Same scenario, opposite reaction. Look at Peter's reaction in that first encounter. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me! I'm a sinful man. After Peter had spent three years with Jesus Christ, after Peter had experienced the risen Lord, what's his reaction? Let me out of this boat! That's Jesus! I want to be with him! Just imagine, if Jesus walked in this door, would you sulk away? Or would you run and throw yourself at his feet and say, Jesus! Peter, on that first instance, says, I'm sinful, go away. But having spent three years in the grace of Jesus, getting to know who God really was, he just jumped out of the boat and ran to shore. I want to be with you. I love you, Jesus. You know I love you, Jesus. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he taken it off and jumped into the water. Three years with Jesus revolutionized Peter's understanding of God and grace, and him and his sin that was not to be an impediment, was not to be a boundary or a barrier or a border separating him from a holy God. Jumping out of that boat. I'm going to go with Jesus. Oh yeah, I denied him three times. You think you're a screw up? For all time, I'm recorded as a screw up. I denied him Jesus three times. But I don't care anymore. I spent three years in the graces, the grace of Jesus. <laughs> I know I'm going to run to him and I'm going to find acceptance and love. Finally, I want to suggest that Peter's response to Deja Vu 2.0 was the same but different because he was a different guy. That's how it's supposed to work, folks. You spend time with Jesus, you become a different guy. You don't stay the same. Jesus works within your life, challenging you. It's not easy, it's hard, it's difficult. He convicts you of stuff that is offensive. But you change it because 
you encounter love, even though you admit these awful things to him, he says, you're forgiven. Recommissioning the commission. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. The Peter that jumped... The Peter who witnessed the miracle that caused him to leave his livelihood in that first instance and follow Jesus so that he could be a fisher of men was a rugged individualist. We know the stories about Peter, right? He was a diamond in the rough. But after three years with the jeweler, getting cleaned up, he was a diamond. And he goes from being this rugged individualist to Jesus saying, what? I want you to rule that church with an iron fist. I want you to make sure those people don't get out of line. That church. No. What's he say? Feed my sheep. He becomes a shepherd. This rugged individualist. Feed my sheep. <coughs> Peter's first encounter with Jesus occurred before Christ had completed his mission at the beginning of his mission. But even then, it was enough for him to abandon his nets and follow Christ. Christ provided him and the others a strikingly similar experience after the resurrection. It was similar but different. Yeah, it, it was a reminder of the difference between life with and without Christ. That without Christ, life is meaningless and desperate. It was a lesson that was so much more <coughs> meaningful for Peter after his three years with Christ and after encountering the risen Christ. Next year, we will celebrate Easter again. We'll probably gather together around 9 o'clock down by the river. I'll say he is risen. You'll say he is risen indeed. What we'll do? We'll declare he is risen. The question is, will we have had a year of encountering the power of the risen Lord? Will we have grown in relationship with him? Will we have grown stronger in our faith? Will we have more confidence in him and his grace? Will we understand God and sin and grace better? I want to suggest to you something that sounds almost sacrilegious but I wouldn't do that. He is risen. 
He is risen indeed. Rings hollow. It has no effect, no effect on your life from one Easter to the next. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you do things so cool. It's so amazing that you, Jesus, decided to make those guys have a very frustrating fishing day and night. And that you would come along and they would have a deja vu experience. Oh, it's so rich with meaning as to the difference between life with and without you. Lord, I thank you, I praise you, I worship you that you rose, but that you didn't rise just so that each year we could get excited about the fact that you overcame sin and death. But that you rose so that we could be changed and could encounter the risen Christ in our daily lives, day in and day out, so that we are different people, or will be different people in Easter 2020 than we were today. Lord, I pray that you would do that good work by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Happy Easter, everybody. Have a great day. God bless.